Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on October the 1st, 2023. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, having scheduling conflicting stuff. Caffeine rage. On today's show, we're going to be doing things very different from usual, because this is a weird one. We're going to be doing a Mount Rushmore on important video game characters of our choice, and we'll be having a Steam Discovery queue. Timestamps will be... Well, in the show notes, but there won't be many of them. <laughs> Hi there. Ah. How are you? Uh, a little sleepy because it was a busy day at work today. <laughs> yep. yep. Yeah, yep. and that's the reason why we're recording on a Sunday instead of a Tuesday, is that I have a late shift on Tuesday, so might as well record on a Sunday, right? Yep. I try to figure out as my schedule kind of settles in. Well, yours and the changes that I'm going to be having to make. Yeah. Um, Things are going to be interesting for the next few weeks. Yeah. But we'll record pretty much when we can. Yep. I have have talked pretty extensively to you about this. Mm -hmm. I, I only mentioned it, I think, in last week's episode just briefly, but my wife got a new job. Um... That is something she's been wanting to do for the almost since I've known her. And it's never been the right time in our lives for her to be able to take it as working for a local nonprofit that does work with um, battered women. And um, in the past, they couldn't offer so enough money because they were smaller or there were scheduling conflicts, but they had a position open and she was able to take it. So she starts in... I think a week and a half now. I don't remember what her exact start date is off the top of my head, but that's got some night shift and some weekend shift and some kind of on-call type stuff. So mm-hmm. my schedule is is going to get a little get a little sideways as well. So yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, and I never really actually talked about what was going on on the show because pretty much when shit started first go down, I was just depressed as hell. And then had to kind of power through some shit. So, basically, when I got married last year, it made me ineligible for my uh, disability. So, when I came up for re- renewal this year, after the freeze from COVID, they kicked my ass off. So, I had to kind of scramble and try to find some sort of job, which I have. But it's still in training. I'm in the food service industry, which I do like to cook. So, there's that, right? Yep, that does check out with your your interests. I mean, it's not well paying, but it's well. Uh, let's put it this way: I'm a well above minimum wage, which is actually a little surprising, considering this state, right? Yeah. So my schedule's still in flux, where I'm still technically in training. I'm not sure when I'm actually off tra- uh, training, but yeah. It, it, it's kind of thrown a wrench into things overall, but I am feeling better after you know a couple of weeks of just hell and coming home feeling dead tired. Yeah, which is good, all things considered. I guess mm. it's it's a little tick in the positive direction. Yeah, although it does suck that you know pretty much had the rug pulled out from under me. That does suck. Yeah. After being assured 
by a couple different uh, times uh, when it had a negative impact on me. You know, or getting married, I should say. Yeah, it would it would negatively impact my uh, coverage, but right. Yeah. Well, you know what they say: the cruelty's the point. Yep. So much. lying to you about it only makes it more cruel. Either lying or they were mistaken. That's true. I or mean, they could I, have been, you know, they could have been right at the time and then things yeah. changed because mm-hmm. it's a red state. Yeah, and COVID. Yeah. Uh, uh, COVID freezes made that some rule changes come down that wasn't, uh, it was technically, uh, you know, not affecting me at the time. And oh. COVID's back though, baby. It's fall Yay. time. We've had uh, discussions at, at the clinic about COVID procedures and mm-hmm. should we reactivate some of the more strict mm-hmm. ones? And anyways, um, yeah. So, um, since this is a Sunday instead of a Tuesday, we haven't had as much time to play stuff. We haven't really looked at new stuff. So we we dug into some of our old general topic ideas that we mm-hmm. either only barely scratched the surface of or never did. And uh, we went for the Mount Rushmore idea. So for anyone who's not American or perhaps lives <laughs> in a place where your civic system has failed you, uh, Mount Rush- Rushmore is this big monument in the United States. Uh, I say monument. A whole bunch of he- heads carved in the side of a mountain of U.S. presidents. Uh, how about this? About a, a third complete monument. Yeah. Because originally it was supposed to be a lot bigger, a lot more grandiose. And yep. then, the, uh, if I recall correctly, the lead architect fucking died. And his son uh, took over and basically ran out of money. I That sounds correct. Although I genuinely don't know the full story behind Mount Rushmore. Other than, like, it, it was never completed because there were problems. Oh, and also, you know... It was uh, on uh, sacred, sacred Native American territory that we promised w- we wouldn't desecrate, but here we are. That's <laughs> uh, on brand for tonight. The... Uh, I, I, actually, I would say it's on brand for the U.S. Well, I was going to say, like, you know, are you talking about you being made promises by a governmental body and then those promises not honored? And, <laughs> you know, that, that's on theme for where we're at tonight. Mm-hmm. But so we had a whole bunch of different ideas for doing Mount Rushmore's of things. Video game characters, video game studios, mm-hmm. like... And I will say that if you have general topic ideas, it would be a really good time to toss them in, because, you know, with things kind of in flux, we might do more, like, general discussion, going back and forth on things. Yeah. Uh, more than we have in quite a while, actually. Yeah. So we went with um, the Mount Rushmore of important characters. And there was no other criteria. We got to choose what we deemed to be important characters, whatever reasons we wanted. We have not talked about each other's lists. I mean, we you know we mentioned like a couple things, but no specific characters were mentioned by either of us. Uh-huh. Um, so I reckon it would just make sense for us to go back and forth, and we can each yeah. chime in on the other's character. And I think if we so happen to have the same one, just to be like, oh, yeah, I picked that one, too. And then can just, like, go to talk about it mm-hmm. at the same and, time. Yeah, and then uh, the person just, you know, strikes that from their mountain. Right. Yeah, yeah put a giant X and start carving a new face. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? 
Uh, you can go first. Okay. Um, so mine are not in any particular order. Um, and, I, and I'll tell you what my criteria actually are. So my criteria was I wanted characters that had somehow transcended just video games. Um, and that's still a pretty vague criteria because that can mean a bunch of stuff. But, you know, characters that, that people are more likely to recognize even if they're not big gamers. Um, and then the other criteria was I wanted one from each of the three mm-hmm. current main studios or main, you know, the, the big three. Um, and then I had a, a fourth wild card. And I've got a few honorable mentions we'll go through at the end. Um, yeah, I, if I you don't. Think, yeah, I think we'll both be going through some honorable mentions. Yeah. But uh, so anyways, my first character is um kind of the OG, the one that is a gimme on the list, I think. Mm. But I decided, like, I went back and forth about whether or not to put him on here. And I was like, no, I think I have to. And if you do, then, well, mm-hmm. you know, so be it. But it's Mario. Yeah, Mario was on my list. I mean, I mean, Mario's like the number one character that you think about. Yeah. Mario is is probably the most iconic video game character of all time, the most important video game character. I mean, the video game industry was not going to die. Um, You know, when it kind of crashed in the 80s, that was primarily, maybe exclusively, the console market. PC gaming was still going and building. And it was also mostly centered around the U.S. as a a crash. Yeah. In Europe, it was still going strong, and in uh, Japan, it was still going strong. And more... It was a general population being disinterested in video games because Atari fucked up. Yeah. And so without Mario's presence kind of reinvigorating the the Nintendo Entertainment System sales in the United States, I mean, we would have a different gaming industry, but we would still have one. But, like, I mean, Mario, everybody, my grandmother knows who Mario is. That woman has never played a video game a day in her life. She is not interested in video games, but she knows who Mario is. You know, both of my parents know who Mario is. Like, my kid knows who Mario is. Like, he knew who Mario was before any other game characters. Mm -hmm. Almost everybody knows who Mario is. And that is not something that is just achieved, um, you know... It has taken decades, many, many decades to achieve that level of recognition. And uh, that's important. Um, Mario has shown up all over the place. You know, there's there's TV show or there there was cartoons. There's been a couple of movies now. Mario has been um, like shown up in the Olympics in, in recent years as like a mascot. Um, or as like a little, you know, kind of adver- advertising type character. Um, you know, it was massive world news. Well, I shouldn't say massive world news, but like big enough news that when Mario's voice actor retired, mm-hmm. you know, there were articles all over the place about it that weren't, that don't typically cover video game type stuff. Um, you know, my dad actually asked me like, hey, what the, when the Mario voice actor guy quit? <laughs> like just out of the blue it's like oh that's weird because and like i explained it to him like to the best of you know my knowledge like what we know but i mean mario has a game and probably or has appeared in a game in every single genre racing games fighting games sports games 
RPGs, so. platformers, um, board games, obviously. Board games. Uh, has Mario been in a music rhythm game? Uh, pretty sure. Okay, so Mario. I mean, I don't know how Mario couldn't be on the list. Unless I mean, technically, know. if you want to, uh, Mario Paint has a musical portion of it. So yeah, Mar- Mario transcends gaming. <laughs> And there is no character that does that more or better than Mario does. And that is important. Mm-hmm. And so, Mario, top of the list. Yeah, Mario, I, I didn't have it on the top of the list, mostly because I expected you to take him. Well, when I say top of the list, I didn't really do these in any particular mm-hmm. order. It just was like, as I was thinking about it, like Mario was like instant. And then I, I went back and forth like, well, could I pick a different character and like leave Mario off the list? Like, surely, like, Rage will put Mario on the list. I was like, well, maybe, what if he does the same thing? Like, nah, I'm gonna put Mario on the list. If we both have Mario, you know, that's the only one that I expected crossover on, you know? I don't I don't think we'll have any others that match. Uh, well, we'll see about that one. So, my list doesn't really have a unifying theme to it. Uh, some of them, uh, some of these characters are there because of their game being either genre-defining or genre-redefining. Others, because of just how big their uh, character is, that they transcend just their game into either crossovers into other games and on that. Or, uh, which probably is an honorable mission, but we'll see about that. Uh, or... That they are essentially the face of a particular genre. Uh-huh. Or my other like unifying thing in this is that for a couple of these characters, possibly on my fourth pull, is a character that changes how we look at a particular group. Okay. Which I think you'll find to be interesting. But for my first poll, how about a character that we did not know was genre-defining at the time, yet let alone gender-defining? I have Samus Aran. Samus is in my honorable mentions. Yeah, for Metroid. In the original Metroid, everyone assumed Samus was some big burly space marine. But there was a hidden ending. And if you got to the hidden ending, you found out this entire time you're playing as a girl. Oh my I'm god, right? Shock. Horror. I mean, this was also the 80s, you know? So having a woman portrayed not just as a capable character, not a damsel in distress, was just mind blowing, you know? Now, the special ending where they you know, showed her in a, a bikini. Okay. Once again, the 80s, right? Yeah. But showing, but, but showing uh, a woman as a capable character uh, on par with uh, a male character was quite the daring choice for Nintendo at the time. And ha- although her character has taken a bit of a beating over the years with some questionable games in the uh, series uh, like other M yeah, and the M is mother right 
Yeah. Where they backtrack on a lot of her badassery and uh, independence. Overall, I'm willing to overlook some of the detriment to her character for more of the not just like I said, gender defining, but also genre defining. Metroid is one half of a word that we use to describe an entire genre of games. And I think that's an incredibly important uh, important uh, portion of gaming history. You cannot have Metroidvania without Metroid. You cannot have strong female protagonists without some of the first ones. And even though Samus was not known at the time to be a female protagonist, she is one, right? Yep. Always has been. Yeah, I love Samus. Good pull. Good pull. Like I said, one of my honorable mentions, my sort of first first runner-up for a Nintendo pick, mm-hmm. um, you know, if I, if I had left, if I had ultimately decided to skip Mario just because, like, you know, get past the gimme, mm-hmm. um, Samus was my first runner-up. Okay. So... Okay, uh, my next one. Yep. So I didn't for- have a ton to say about Samus because I don't. I haven't really played a lot of Metroid, but she's still important. Yeah. Um. So for for Microsoft, you can probably guess this one. Um, it uh, well, is it's one of two. <laughs> okay. Uh, Master Chief. What was what was the other one? Cortana. Hmm. Yeah. I can see that, but no, Master Chief. So the Halo series, um, while obviously not the first, you know, the, the not the first first person shooter, not um, not in the early days. I don't think a huge innovator for the genre. Something about it really stuck out in the first person shooter market, and it came to dominate the entire first person shooter genre for. At least a decade, possibly fifteen years. Halo has lost a lot of its dominance over the year or in, in recent years. Um, Halo Infinity was a huge letdown, and I have problems with the previous Halo game. But it's impossible to deny that, like Halo, was the major Xbox original Xbox system seller and strongly influenced console first-person shooters for better or for worse. For you know, 10 to 15 years. Um, Master Chief has shown up all over the place, um, both in Xbox kind of branding and advertisement, but also in general, uh, like sales adverts and product placement. Um, and, it, you know, there's the, the gimmies of like Gamer Fuel and uh, Doritos and whatever, but he's shown up oddly in like Cologne advertisements which i think is interesting like you know 10 years ago like they they would have stayed away from that but you know times change you know people are gamers now um there are adults who grew up playing video games so master chief is now an acceptable manly figure to sell cologne and stuff um but beyond that there have been uh, talks of a halo several halo movies which so far have not come to fruition but there was um, the Halo TV show, uh, which I believe was 10 episodes. I haven't watched it yet, but again, my parents have watched it, and they're like, why haven't you watched it? You loved Halo when you were a kid. I'm like, well, I still like Halo, but I don't really watch shows anymore. But, you know, Master Chief has transcended this sort of 
gamer culture, you know, gamer kind of only aspect into the wider cultural nexus. Um, there are multiple Halo books. Like I said, there's the Halo TV series. They have made a movie, but it was a much smaller project. Um, it was not at, released in theaters. Um, it was part of the marketing for Halo 4 or Halo 5. Um, but, I mean, Master Chief is is one who, while not as, as wide-reaching as Mario, to be sure, like, Master Chief is, is known by many more than just gamers and even people who um, do game but aren't interested in shooters. Like, Master Chief is, is one who is known. Um, so... Master Chief, second on my my Mount Rushmore. Okay, so from one extreme for me to another. And this is a character that is part of a huge plot twist. So if you haven't played a particular game in about 20 years, spoiler warning. But this is also one of the most infamous plot twist in video games. Arthas Mithril. Warcraft 3, World of Warcraft. He became essentially the face of... Well, the face of uh, uh, real-time strategy for quite a while through the story... And I did not mute my phone. Uh, through the uh, uh, storyline of Warcraft 3... And the kind of mind-blowing twist, at least at the time, that, oh, your character is slowly, slowly being corrupted and it's becoming the bad guy. Mm -hmm. Which is hugely overplayed these days, particularly by Blizzard. Blizzard loves to have, well, the, uh, the, the hero got corrupted by magical force and now they're the bad guy. But this is the, really one of the first times that they did it. And the calling of Raid Them Home uh, mission in particular, where you're going through and just murdering an entire city, and then seeing that same city, or city in sarcasm quotes because it's Instance Dungeon, and World of Warcraft, and seeing like the aftermath of it was kind of a uh, mind blowing experience for me back in the day. And the reason why I kind of pick out Arthas is that he was also kind of, at least to me, the peak of World of Warcraft as well. Where that was like the last big raid boss that I remember doing. There was a few others that, have, that did after that, but yeah, he was the one that had the most lore behind him. The most interesting gameplay mechanics. Mm -hmm. uh, a matter of fact, uh, he had a unique mechanic around him where canonically he kills your entire raid, even if you def uh, on a successful raid. And it's because of the damage he did to his sword that allows essentially the souls of everybody that he killed in the past to come back out and resurrect your raid. Like I said, it's a very interesting lore behind this character. And I won't say peak Blizzard writing because, you know, it's like, you know, a, a, a slight bump above the uh, you know, a plane of uh, uh, Thrall Jesus. Right. 
However, he was, like I said, kind of a turning point for uh, uh, real-time strategy and the peak of World of Warcraft. While World of Warcraft is still, yeah, obviously still going, it, it just doesn't feel like it's uh, part of uh, the overarching story like it used to be. And that's also because they killed off all their major uh, villains back in the day, and Arthas was the big one. And he was an important part of that. So, yeah. yeah. Nice. All right. So my third one was one of my harder ones to come up with, um, which was for Sony. Uh, I have not played as many PlayStation games as I have other things in my sort of gaming career. I was an Xbox kid. Um, well, I say Xbox kid. I mean, I was good. Uh, no, I was still young enough to be called a kid when I yeah, I got the Xbox. But Re- regardless, you know, I I had N sixty four played a bajillion games on GameCube, Wii, um, but I kind of stopped my Sony journey at the PS two. And yes, there are many, many, many things from that era and before, but still, it felt very limiting compared to the rest of my gaming knowledge. So thought about it for a while, and this one. You know, you said earlier when we were talking, like, there's only a handful you could think of, and this is probably in that handful. Uh, and it is Lara Croft. Um, uh, kind of th- I thought of her, but I actually didn't put her on my list. Yeah, so kind of in the same vein of um, a, a strong female character for female gamers, um, Lara Croft was, was one of the OG uh, fem- feminine leads who. Like, she didn't take shit from men. She wasn't there to just, like, please a man. She was very attractive, although looking back at the old, you know, PS1 era graphics, like, oh, well, I was going to say triangle boobs are are not very attractive, but Madonna had them, so who am I to judge? Well, supposedly Um, the lore behind that is that they messed up uh, some proportions of her model and they decided to keep it because it accidentally gave her a lot longer tits than they originally intended. Right. And this is one of those things too. Like I have no idea what any of the developers were thinking when they, when they made her, but she has been glommed onto by the, the female gaming audience. And particularly at the time, you know, kids who did not have very many female role models to look up to or aspire to be in media. And granted that number is still far outweighed by their male counterparts, but you know, to have anyone that was like a strong, badass woman who didn't take any shit and who was, you know, at the top of her field, um, was really cool. And she also has transcended just gaming. Um, the Tomb Raider, film series there have been two of them um not two movies but two sort of series there was the one in the early 2000s that was i believe two maybe three movies and then the reboot of the tomb raider movies that followed the reboot of the tomb raider games mm-hmm. um they made one for sure they might I didn't have made pay attention two. to them doing a reboot of those yeah covid kind of like killed the production on, I believe, the second one, and I don't think it's ever recovered from development hell, but they made the first one, which follows the story of the first Tomb Raider reboot game, and they were, I believe there was a second one in development that was going to be following the story of the second game, and then COVID, and 
uh, you know, etc., etc. But Lara Croft has has transcended strictly gaming. Uh, I'm not as familiar with the the Tomb Raider games. I played, um, I believe, Tomb Raider two on a very old PlayStation demo disc, and then. I have played a smattering of Tomb Raider games over the years, and I have not played any of the reboots, but I should. I played the first of the reboots, and there's some story issues that I had with it, mostly because you could go through an entire section of the game murdering everybody and then have Laura upset that she stabs somebody in a cutscene. Right. So, uh, ludo-narrative dissonance there. Yeah. Although I do think that they make her a very strong character outside of some quibbles like that. Mm-hmm. And I actually prefer her new character over her old because she's less, less sexualized. Yeah. Angelina Jolie plays her in the 2000s, mm-hmm. or early to mid 2000s Tomb Raider movies. She's very sexualized. Um, I don't know the actress who plays her in the new movie, but she is not as sexualized. There are some scenes, but by and large, uh, and she's... And that's kind of why I didn't put her on my list, even though, you know, did think about it for a while, was that especially some of the older games, looking back, it's a little creepy just how much they emphasized her sexual, uh, you know, her sexual nature, to the point that she was actually in Playboy. Yes, I did know that. Um, and I do agree with you, but... I have talked to quite a few um, girl gamers, and uh, mm-hmm. they have told me that that they really liked Lara Croft and looked up to her as a character, um, a strong female character. Yeah, and I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying that's why I pulled back a little bit. Yeah, fair play. Fair play. So yeah, what, what, what have you got for your third one? Okay, so since we're doing Sony characters, let me do a Sony character as well. Okay. Another one that you could have pulled from, although to be fair, he has transcended to be just Sony, and would actually fit the theme of your list as well because he is also in movies. But the main reason why I picked this character is that he was the face of the. I guess I should I shouldn't say the resurgence, but the kind of the popular. Uh, uh, the the po- the popularization of JRPGs in the West. We're talking about Cloud Strife. And Cloud is in a weird place where Square Enix just will not leave fucking Final Fantasy VII alone. Yeah. there's I guess there's just too much money there. So we're, there's like four or five different movies. Uh, there's an anime i'm pretty sure we're up to how many games in this universe (laughs) a bunch so you see what i mean by you could have pulled this as a sony uh, character but not really because it's on pc now it's uh, so it's kind of weird but also cloud is beyond just final fantasy but and has gone over to Final Fantasy Tactics, although we both bounced off hard on Final Fantasy Tactics. Uh, Cloud is a hidden character there. Cloud's popped up in some of Square Enix's fighting games. And even Super Smash Brothers has Cloud. But the main reason why I picked him is that 
Final Fantasy VII is like the first one I remember of JRPGs really taking off. That's not saying that they were not popular in the U.S. beforehand, but they were more niche. Yeah. But with the advent of CD-ROM being cheap enough to go into consoles and allowing for more spectacle in uh, JRPGs, it gave like the perfect fodder for Sony to push a huge ad campaign with all the cinematic uh, splendor that uh, <laughs> that the cutscenes had. And I remember just being kind of in awe about you know, what the game looked like. To be fair, yeah, the game does look like the cutscenes, but at the same time, your character models are like five polygons on top of that. Yeah. Uh, because the way Final Fantasy VII played it, if you never played the original and not the remake, retelling, slash continuation, whatever the hell they're doing with Final Fantasy VII now. Uh, it was characters on a pre-rendered cutscene, and that was like all the PlayStation uh, 1 uh, uh, Final Fantasies were on pr- uh, essentially a pre-rendered cutscene with characters running around. With uh, varying levels of success, uh, Final Fantasy VII was like the roughest of them, obviously. But yeah, Cloud is like the like the poster child for uh, for that genre in that time frame. Uh, either him or Sephiroth. But I found I I just always found Cloud as a more interesting character. Sephiroth is like evil McBad guy. You never really learn a lot about him in the game, and there's questions on you know the character's background if it's canon or not in the movies and. And the comics, and the anime, and the board game, and the breakfast cereals, and don't and don't forget the uh, the G strings. <laughs> of course, can't forget that. So I picked the more interesting of the two. Yeah, which to me is Cloud Strife. I considered Cloud, but ultimately Cloud did not make it onto my honorable mentions list. But I thought about it, but. In my heart of hearts, because I b- truly believe Final Fantasy VII is overrated, I could I couldn't. Oh, pick don't Cloud. get me wrong. I do think over time Final Fantasy VII has become overrated, but at the context of when Final Fantasy VII originally came out, I do not think it was overrated. Yeah, I've, I think I've always liked Squall more. I, I, how about this? How about this? Final Fantasy VII is ever played. That's fine. It, it, they've uh, gone to the well too many times for it. Yeah. It, and and you're wrong about Squall. It's Zodine. <laughs> nope. I love Squall. I can't help it. Um, but yeah. I thought about Cloud. He didn't make it on my honorable mentions list, but I could absolutely see why you you picked him. I mean, it was like the perfect storm of uh, technology becoming... Advanced enough where the spectacle of uh, of of the game could be really shown on TV and the ad campaign. Yeah, because I know Final Fantasy was popular on the SNES. I know that other JRPGs were popular on the SNES, but nothing uh, really caught the public eye like Final Fantasy VII back in the day. So, your poll, right? So my wild card poll. Um, I thought long and hard about what to put at number four, and 
you or some of the listeners may think that I should have went with one of my honorable mentions, but um, I uh, I tried to really think about because of my proximity to a lot of younger people and what younger people talk about and what younger people seem to glom onto, whether it's seriously or through memes, like that I think is important no matter how the younger generation chooses to engage with media. It's important and can tell us a lot about them. So for my fourth poll as a representative of the youth, I picked Leon Kennedy. Uh, Leon Kennedy also kind of meets my criteria. Um, the resident evil series has had a lot of, of external, um, secondary creations made about them. Um, there's the series of movies, which are sort of alternate universe Resident Evil, but Leanna Kennedy features in a couple of those, um, as do Chris Redfield and Jill Valentine and uh, other prominent Resident Evil characters. There's a ton of animated movies. There was an anime, probably more than one, but I'm only aware of one. Plus, you know, a long-standing, extremely popular video game series. Which, for a time, um, and that time seems to have returned again, set the tone for what horror, action horror video games were going to be like. Um, and the reason I picked Leon, not only does you know he meet those other criteria of transcendence, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, but he is, for reasons I don't fully understand, incredibly popular with teenagers and going back to how we talked have i've mentioned in several other things um, on my other characters like the idea that like kids are really interested in a character or you know as kids age into adulthood these characters that they grew up with suddenly become poster you know poster boys or girls for products or to enter other spaces other media spaces leon kennedy has garnered a lot of that attention from the youth and it's not all memes. A lot of it is memes. Um, but um, the kids, <laughs> the kid. God, I'm doing it naturally right now. I'm not making. I'm not doing a bit. I genuinely just said the kids. Uh, God, I'm, uh, I'm getting uh, old. Get off my lawn. But you know, the kids are really interested in Leon Kennedy, and I find that fascinating. And I've had conversations with several teenagers that I that I work with to kind of pick their brains about it and some of them are like i don't know man it's just the memes and some of them are like no he's like a really fascinating character and the way that they have portrayed him is like very like nice and fatherly in this like really like awful kind of not quite but post-apocalypse adjacent world that's set up in resident evil um and particularly the game that Liana's most known for is he's, you know, escorting the president's daughter around for the entire game. Um, and for some reason, he's very appealing to the younger generations. And I think that that makes him worthy of being on the list. So Okay, so my last poll. This is my wild card. Uh, although I haven't had you know, really a central theme. So, my final pick is yet another character that kind of was eye-opening to me, but also defies a lot of stereotypes, 
in a way, in a way that I should say is surprising for the game that he's in. All right, but also is a time capsule to a certain point in American history or modern American history, I should say. Carl Johnson, CJ, GTA mm. San Andreas. Mm-hmm. The 90s was an interesting time. And it's rare to see black culture shown outside of a very disturbing and insulting stereotype. And for some of the issues that San Andreas had and GTA has today, San Andreas showed black culture in the 90s urban black culture in the 90s in a actually fairly positive way. It is a little tough to go through uh, with so many N-bombs, but it's also black people talking to black people. It's gonna happen, right? Yeah. Especially in the 90s. But, like I said, it's a positive view of the culture. Is Carl psychopath? Fuck yeah, especially with some of the missions uh, that uh, the game uh, puts you on. And some of the storyline missions, especially. However, it also shows some of the struggles that uh, the black community has gone through in recent times. I mean, the 90s was not that long ago. We're talking 30-ish years. This is still a relevant struggle today. Yeah, and while 30 years may feel like an eternity ago mm-hmm. to to us, like in the grand scheme of history, you know, it is not very long at all. And that's the thing is that, yeah, the black community still has a lot of these problems. They still have corrupt cops uh, keeping them down. They still are, you know, without a social safety net. So to see... Uh, that highlighted in a triple A game at the time was really eye opening to me. Yeah. Is Carl Johnson a, the perfect character? Definitely not, but he's also shows the flaws of the system very well. And I wanted something that is a bit of a wild card outside of my comfort zone. And I mean, showing the strife of an entire minority through the lens of a video game. Right there you are, right? Yeah. Nice. Very interesting, uh, extremely unexpected pick. Not even, like, in the brain space. <laughs> you know, the others you've mentioned, I've been like, okay, yeah, yeah, you know, or maybe, you know, I thought about him. I, I, intentionally, mentions. I intentionally was keeping him on my fourth pole for that surprise. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple other characters in that that would uh, really fit it. Like, the antagonist uh, behind everything would also really fit as kind of a twist. Uh, but I think the player character is a little bit more fitting for this. Yeah, nice. Okay, uh, honorable mentions. Um, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight honorable I had, mentions. I had five honorable mentions. Okay. Uh, Why don't you go through yours? Okay, so three of them kind of are in the same umbrella, uh, which I was going back and forth on all three of them. I had Gordon Freeman and Alex Vance. Okay. 
and also had GLaDOS. Okay. Uh, Gordon Freeman, because uh, he kind of broke the stereotype of the big, burly, first-person shooter uh, protagonist. And uh, through through the gameplay, it also... Uh, showed uh, his brains and things uh, that you know it wasn't just charge in. Although I have more history with Half Life Two, which a lot of the puzzles you go back and play it now, it's like, oh, you're doing this again. But it's was a revolutionary for the time, and Alex Vance for being a female main character that wasn't a damsel in distress was. Utter badass like Samus, uh, not overly sexualized, and was incredibly smart. And Glados because Glados. Yeah. What else? The you should have two more. You go ahead and list your okay, other two. So, so my other two is I, I I went with Pikachu. Okay. As kind of like the face of Pokemon because Pokemon's like the biggest media uh, franchise out there as much as it pains me for Pikachu, because I don't like the, uh, the Pokemon itself. I love also, but also the fact that Pikachu is the face or at least was the face of the anime as well, or one of the faces of the anime. So it's hard to argue against Pikachu versus another one of the Pokemon or the Pokemans. Yeah. And my last pick was the the counterpoint to your first pick. Luigi? Peach? Bowser? Wario. Oh. The villain turned anti-hero. And kind of a gross protagonist as well. Uh, multiple games over the years. Mostly... Between, uh, I guess, technically platformers, uh, with uh, the Mario Land Warrior slash Wario Land series. I mean, the Mario Land series. Uh, the third one was Mario Land Three slash Wario Land One. Yeah, and it just kind of took over from there with Wario Land for the next three or four instances. And there was also one, I think, on the either the GameCube or the Wii. Uh, and then, of course, the uh, micro-game uh, compilations. Uh, the uh, WarioWare stuff. But there's a few other games here and there. And Wario's like the dark horse whenever uh, he pops up, uh, like in a Mario sports game or uh, in uh, Super Smash Brothers. And he's always like the... Uh, well, he's uh, literally the anti-Mario. But he's more than just that. He's grown beyond that. And it's kind of an interesting growth from a just a one-note villain to being more than just that. And that Nintendo is willing to not have a squeaky clean character as one of their main characters, you know? Yeah. And, ha- and not be afraid to have somebody gross. And Wario is gross. But, but I like Wario. I like Wario. Alright, so I had... Technically I had nine, but Sam has, you know, already been said. So, my other eight... 
uh, Steve from Minecraft. He was a serious contender for my fourth yeah, pick. I thought about that one, but uh, but then that, that's also kind of the reason why I held off on Gordon Freeman. There's not a lot of characterization there. Yeah. Um, Geralt from uh, the Witcher series. Mm. Pretty, pretty, also a pretty strong contender. Um, really meets the transcends media, but the main reason I didn't pick him was. Honestly, I thought the cultural, the youth cultural component of Leon was more important. But yeah, Geralt, you know, act, started as a book, but I think most people discovered the books from playing the game, and there has been since been yeah, the... Yeah, much to the author's chagrin. Yeah, and then there has since been the extremely popular Witcher Netflix series with Henry Cavill playing as Geralt. Um, very interesting situation where that he loves the games and the books. And one of the main reasons that he was let go from the show after season three was because he didn't like the direction they were taking the character. Cause it was getting too far away from the books and the video games. <laughs> and he was getting into too many arguments with the directors and producers. So they, they, they cut him from the project and ultimately scrapped it. Like, so Oops. anyways, um, uh, then my, my last sort of serious pick um, was Commander Shepard. Mm. And the main reason that I wound up cutting Commander Shepard was because I have a lot more investment in Shepard that I think... I mean, Shepard is pretty culturally important to gamers, and I think to a certain extent, people outside of gaming are, do, can recognize Shepard, although mostly for the bullshit Fox News scandals about alien sex uh, when, when those games came out. Mm -hmm. But... I've said this before, it's been a while since I mentioned it, but I did my master's thesis on the psychology of video games, and I used Mass Effect, the Mass Effect trilogy, as the basis for that. And so I, I, I thought, well, maybe I've got too much personally invested, and this doesn't meet my other criteria, so ultimately I cut Shepard. Um, then next was Samus, which we already talked about. Link? Um, uh, I did have Link as... Uh, a somewhat honorable mention, but the thing is that Link is so much of a blank slate as well, because which Link? Yeah, and that was that was my one of my reasons for not going with Link, other than, like, Mario. Um, but so I had Link, I had Kirby. Um, Kirby's fun, and I like Kirby, but I don't think Kirby is... I mean, Kirby's just not, doesn't have the same weight as everybody else that has came up on this yeah, list. Yeah, because he's lighter. Hey. Um, uh, yeah, Kirby ha in Smash Brothers, he's like the main character for the single player story or the single player uh, thing going on. Uh, and Kirby has this weird thing of the original game, Kirby's Dreamland, uh, released very late in a NES life. If it released sooner, I think Kirby would have been a lot bigger, you know? Yeah. Um, then I picked Donkey, or then I had Donkey Kong. Uh, oh, interesting history there. <laughs> yep. Uh, Pac-Man. And yeah, then... Uh, oh, Yeah, I, I thought about Pac-Man. Uh, but once again, cut just because, you know, it's, it's starting to get to the point where how do we define character? Yeah. 
Because if you wanted to do that, then you could do like the bat from Pong. Yeah. Um, and then Sonic. Mm. I just I don't know enough about Sonic. Most of my experience from Sonic comes from very badly playing the original couple of Sonic games as a kid. And then Sonic Adventures 2, which I did <laughs> love, but like that's it. So yeah. yeah, once again, Sonic would have been which Sonic? Because there's like an overarching character, but then each iteration is its own thing. And then you get some really, really bad games. Yeah. Although I Sonic mean, Oh, sorry. I was gonna say like Sonic Onan, oh god. Sonic does meet those criteria, though, for transcending video games. Um, yeah, with two going on three movies now? Yeah, which are very good. Yes. Um, uh, they have, they're better than what they have any right to be. Absolutely. So, but yeah, that was, that was my whole list of honorable mentions. Yeah, which uh, Sonic 3 is due to release next year. Sweet. I'll be taking my kid to go see that. But, uh, yeah. I, I, since you only had five, I'll let you go first. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe there might be some more that I could cross off my list. Yeah, didn't have as much crossover as I expected. Although, I did have Link, but I kind of uh, pushed him down on the honorable mentions because, yeah, which Link are we talking about? Because literally every uh, game, except for a couple, it's always a new Link, a new Zelda <laughs> Which Zelda could have also been a, a pick for me, possibly. But that runs into the same problem. Where do you place her, right? Yeah. Although, uh, if, I, if I would have done Zelda, I would have probably done the Breath of the Wild uh, Tears of a Kingdom iteration, just because she does more. <laughs> right? Yeah. Zelda kind of falls into the problem of, a lot of times, damsels in distress. Yeah, uh, Ocarina of Time. Well, I mean, it's not. I mean, it is Zelda, because um, mm-hmm. Zelda is chic, but the player doesn't know that for a large mm-hmm. portion of the game. So, but yeah, but once again, uh, yeah, a standout outside of the rule, you know. Yeah. Ultimately, if we did this again with the exact same list, now that we've gone through some of these, mm-hmm. I'm guessing our some of our honorable mentions would be up there. We might think of ones that we forgot. Mm-hmm. While we were making our list, but we'll we'll probably come back to this. I mean, there's are many different criteria you could use for a Mount Rushmore list. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we have what like uh, seven more just on our lists right now. Yeah, something like that. I don't have it pulled up, but I have it pulled up. But we have seven more with uh, possibilities of others. Although one of these is going to be a, a tough one to try to fill out these days with how. Game studios have been killed. Um, is there a specific criteria for it? Like, no, I, I'm no. assuming it's Mount Rushmore, Mount Rushmore of Game Studios. Yeah, but that's it. Without any, uh, all of them are just uh, one or two words. Uh, like, yeah, your Mount Rushmore of blank. Yeah. So I mean, you know, we could pick Long Dead Studios that we have feelings for. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if we do another one of these. And if you have your own Mount Rushmore, you can uh, send them in vglpodcast at gmail.com or drop them by the Discord, which can find a link to that over at vglpodcast.podbean.com. 
Indeed. So, for the first time in a while, ready for me to queue up that music and do a discovery queue? Yeah, as I go over the show notes and just going to start dropping things in. Right. I'm I'm assuming you've already got one. Yep. Yep. Go ahead. So, how do you like your Harvest Moon uh, Stardew Valley S games? Do you want dinosaurs in them? I would love dinosaurs in my Stardew Valley. I think I know what game you're talking about. I without even. Pines. Yeah. I've not encountered this game before, but it's essentially a, a Stardew Valley Harvest Moon, well, I should say Harvest Moon-esque style game. Farming sim game, only instead of getting different tools, you get dinosaurs. I, um, oh, this is not what I thought. Okay. There is one of these that looks a lot like Stardew Valley, mm-hmm. and the guy yeah. has a lot yeah, of like is... controversy for like ripping off Stardew Valley. But no, this is this is different. Yeah, this is more Harvest Moon esque, uh, full 3D. But instead of getting tools, you get dinosaurs that will help you out. Like one that'll uh, spray water around, one that tills the soil, one that bashes rocks. Uh and it's cute looking. There are some people that say it's, that it's uh, overly simplistic and easy, which makes me think more of a kid's game than anything. Yeah. But it's cute. And hey, kids have got to learn how to do management sims. Yeah, and uh, play uh, uh, Stardew Valley. And uh, yeah, don't forget, enslaved dinosaurs. Absolutely. I want to enslave dinosaurs. Um, so anyways, uh, I got, let me get over here to the right thing and drop a link. I thought we, I I thought we agreed we weren't doing link. Ew. Alright, I got party animals. Um, if I could spell party, there we go, party animals. Um, party animals is a, uh, multiplayer kind of minigame-esque game where that you're playing animals that look kind of like, um stuffed toys there's a whole bunch of mini games i've actually played this on xbox um with my kid and a couple of his friends when they came over and spent the night um it's it if you like the mario party mini games that's the best way to describe it it's entire game that is mario party mini games there's some of them that are a little more complex um but but in general that's what you're looking at is mario party level mini games um, it's cute, it's fun, um, but only with other people. This is not a good mm-hmm. game to play by yourself because you just lose that dynamic of, you know, people like yelling at each other and laughing whenever, you know, you guys do something dumb. And of course, the AI is somewhere between brain dead or cheating. There's there's no in between. So mm. it is a really fun game to play, but only if you have a group of people to play it with. Uh, do you know how many uh, mini games there are? Because that's going to be the big thing. I do not. Because, um, like, Mario Party usually has a hundred some. Me, let me just do a quick Google search. Uh, I don't see it here. Oh, wait, here we go. Six, D, 68 with remixes of each. It's actually not bad. For I mean, this says possible combination of over 400 mini games. I don't remember doing the mm-hmm. same thing twice, you know. So it's a fun game, but like I said, it's only worth it if you've got 
friends to, or you know or kids or whatever to play with you know it's i don't get it by yourself so yeah party animals okay so from cute uh uh little party animals to grim dark victorian england <laughs> the lies of p oh lies of p okay i'll just skip on past this one <laughs> uh perfect timing huh yep uh the thrilling Souls-like take on the story of Pinocchio. <laughs> uh, this is on Game Pass. I've been meaning to play this, but I've just been busy. Uh, I mean, if you like Souls-likes, definitely looks like it's worth taking a look at. I have heard that this plays a little more like Bloodborne than it does Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it encourages you to be aggressive. I don't know. Haven't played it. Not gonna play it. Not interested. Not my kind of game. Mm-hmm. Um... But, um, you know, I have heard I people wanted, talk about this. I'm, I just kind of wanted to try it out because it looks like it has an amazing aesthetic, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, like, uh, Victorian England with, like, some steampunk going on as well. Or, or for some characters. I mean, it's an absolutely beautiful looking game. So, yeah. Uh, not sure if it's worth the 60 bucks. Uh, unless you're into souls like or blood likes or whatever the fuck they're calling that genre now, uh, definitely try it on Game Pass. So, moving along. Indeed. So I got one called Humanity instead of Humanity. Humanity, uh, zombie survival game. Um, looks like there's some uh, inspiration here from. Um, oh shoot! What is that zombie game that I've played a whole bunch of? I haven't played it in a while. Project Zomboid. Um, now, the general gameplay does not look like anything like Project Zomboid, but the way that they're describing this game is it's like you get one life to go in this world and explore, and there's no way to win. You're just trying to survive for as long as you can, um, building up uh, your your area to survive. Um, so it looks interesting, you know, kind of top-down um somewhat isometric view uh don't see oh it, okay it has online co-op so that could be can make it good um but this looks like it's it's controlling a little more like um sort of an action game as opposed to uh with project zomboid like it's it's zomboid is much slower and this like it looks like it's faster paced it's easier to aim that kind of stuff so definitely some differences there but the way that they're talking about this <laughs> feels reminiscent of Project Zomboid to me. Where it's like, you can't survive. You can't ultimately do anything. Are they under a dick in the tutorial? (laughs) I don't know. Nothing here about that, but that would be amazing if they were. Alright. What you got? Okay, so I have yet another farming sim because it seems like it's that time we have uh, It's been a while since I've done a discovery queue, so Maybe all the farming sims have backed up. So, this is Moonstone Island. And they say it's a uh, creature-collecting life sim set in an open world with a hundred different islands to explore. There's some procedural generation going on, and it seems like it's a cross between... I don't want to go full-on Pokemon, uh, but, you know, they're leaning that way. Uh, with uh, Stardew Valley-esque, uh, Harvest Moon-esque stuff. 
it has a more of a top-down look, so it's m more reminiscent of Stardew. But then they have this card battling system, which it is like <laughs> slay the slot, uh, slay the tower uh, going on, which I don't know what to make of that, and sort of the exploration side of things. Yeah. So there's like a odd mishmash of stuff going on. But it's rated very, uh, very positively, although not a lot of reviews. And it's been out for like a week now. Okay. Um. So I got which spring are or which springer? I'm not sure. This is a turn-based RPG. It's my first thought was JRPG, and it feels very heavily styled off of off of a JRPG, the, at least the combat system. Um, but I'm not seeing much here about parties or anything else. I, I'm not sure. But it's very, like, you're a cute witch girl, and you train your, your body and feed your magical staff in order to grow your powers and go on an adventure. And I'm sure there's, there's some story to it. It seems like this is either a sequel or a remake or another game set in the same universe that i've never heard of but it, it, i've been i've been in the market for a new jrpg to play and well technically this doesn't uh, apparently fit as a jrpg it's the same um like a you know, turn-based combat all that kind of stuff looks like it does have some sort of light novel-esque storytelling mechanics but there's also cutscenes. i don't know there's a whole bunch of mishmash of stuff in here but i'm digging it. it it's up my alley and it's only 30 bucks right now um who developed this Ki oh god kiwi walks developer publisher pixie main okay so there's witch spring three oh I think I saw the this Witch Spring on a previous... Yeah, it's on my wish list. On a previous game club. I probably talked about wanting it. Because I do want this. Okay. But I mean, this is all that this is developer has done. These two Witch Spring games. Um, with Witch Spring R. <clears throat> being new and the other one coming out in 2021. Who is this publisher now? Who is Pixie Main? Have you heard of Pixie Main? No. They've got... I don't know, 10 games published on Steam? Nothing I've ever heard of. <laughs> Weird. Christmas is... is I'm, I'm starting to get into Christmas shopping mode, but I'm going to keep this one in mind for uh, a more recent purchase. It's on sale for uh, 30 bucks right now as part of its release discount. But, I mean, full price is only $35, so... Interesting. I keep an eye on that. Looks good. Carry on. Okay, well, I need to paste over this one. I was looking at it for a while. I had to skip quite a few. Uh, either ones that you uh, hit or ones that looked like uh, just... Eh. Yeah. So I have Minico's Night Market. Uh, I'm going to just read the blurb on this. A narrative-driven social simulation adventure game that celebrates Japanese culture invites players to craft whimsical items, eat delicious snacks, and ultimately enjoy all the cats. 
It's published by Humble Bundle, or Humble Games. And it's basically a life sim, slice of life uh, RPG going on. Not quite Harvest Moon uh, uh, or uh, Animal Crossing, but somewhere in that vein. It is on the cheaper end of things, 20 bucks. So, yep, there's a certain expectation set there of it being a little bit more shallow. But it, yeah, yeah. Uh, highlighting Japanese culture is in uh, in a non stereotypical way. Just you know, kind of slice of life is intriguing. And it looks like mythical cats are uh, uh, abundant. So nice. Everybody loves myth- mythical cats. Um. So I got Payday Three, which from everything I've heard is uh. Payday 2, but with a newer engine and better graphics and a new story. Um, so, that sounds pretty good to me. I liked Payday 2. I haven't played a ton of it. Like, I played Payday 2. I played, I don't know, a dozen hours or so. Um, and I enjoyed it. Um, this Payday, Payday 3 was talked about quite a bit on this past week's podquisition. So, that's that's where I'm getting my insider information on. But yeah, I mean if you like Payday 2 and you want more of it with, you know, new guns, new tools, updated graphics, better engine, and a new story, sounds like this game's for you. Okay, I have a little idea what the hell is going on in this game just from the screenshots. Okay. But it looks fascinating. Astria, six sided oracles. A Dice deck building roguelike that flips the script on deck builders by using dice instead of cards. Okay. Interesting. The, some of the screenshots just look utterly incomprehensible because there's so many, like, yep, moving parts to the, uh, uh, to the battle system. I I have a feeling it's one of those that once you figure it out, uh, it's going to be incredibly fun, but getting there is going to be a bit of a struggle. But seeing uh, someone take the idea of the deck builder and you know, add dice uh, is an interesting concept. Indeed, I am. I am interested. Like looking at this, mm-hmm. you, you see what um, I mean by some the, of the screenshots screen- look kind of like they're they're they look like a mess, but they're mm-hmm. very pretty. I mean, it does have a very like intriguing art style but there's just so many elements of the UI going on that it's like what the ever living hell is going on here yeah all right uh I got uh, that was my I'm last on... one okay I've got this and then one more in my queue to see if we get another one but I, I got city skylines 2 uh yeah looking forward to that one on game pass I am too I've heard um from some people who who had it early um, to do like promotion and stuff on it. What I have heard is uh, that it is city skylines, but more and better with better simulations, traffic stuff, population mm-hmm. growth, um, yeah. and, and that some of the stuff from the DLC is now baked into the base game. Yeah, I've seen some of the developers' videos, and the one that really stood out to me was them highlighting how they're changing traffic so that you know, the traffic jams of the past won't happen. 
Uh, and they're also going to make it so that different, essentially, age groups have a tendency to drive different ways. That's interesting. I didn't hear anybody talk about that feature, but that's neat. Yeah, basically, uh, there's convenience and comfort. I might be mixing up or you know, not have the proper terms, but basically uh, either a mixture of getting there fast or getting there you know, without much uh, effort. So like older Sim or Kims or whatever they're calling them will tend to want to get there uh, without a lot of effort. So they'll gravitate more towards uh, like public trans- uh, transportation if they could do it. So they could just relax on the bus, that sort of thing. While younger ones may want to just you know, drive their cars. But if they don't have a lot of money, they might just do public transportation. Yeah. Well, that was the third factor was money. But it was kind of like the wild card of you know, forcing one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, there will be wrecks in the game. Uh, so if uh, uh, there's like bad weather and uh, especially inexperienced drivers have a higher chance to... Uh, have a wreck which will affect uh the uh traffic flow and if somebody sits in traffic for a while they may uh, decide to you know it might be better to try to find another way around and there'll be dramatic uh or dynamic uh you know uh, restructuring of routes based on what's going on yeah yeah basically things that should have been in the first game and that's just the traffic side of things which admittedly was like the the weakest part of uh, Skylines. So, anyway. so, so my last game was one that I don't know if I would like, but it's so interesting. What it is, or okay, it's called Islands of the Caliph, and it is a classic first-person dungeon crawling RPG. So think like the very old look of um, like Elder Scrolls Daggerfall or even mm-hmm. earlier than that sort of oh, ones with grid based movement systems. Now, now that is old school. Yeah. Um, and it's got era appropriate sort of pixel type graphics but they look modern um, in the same way that like a lot of 8-bit games um, in the modern era have been modernized um, but still maintain that kind of classic charm but new sharpness and color depth um, it has that, um, and it says, like, <laughs> right at the top of the about, like, this game features optional keyboard-only inputs and other classic limitations to invoke that 1980s vibe. Um, oh, wait, no, sorry. It doesn't say optional, so I don't know if that means you have to do keyboard-only or not. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, there's, there's some interesting features that it mentions as well real time um like boat rides between the islands which i think is interesting that could be a good or a bad thing um everybody in the reviews is saying that it's it's better than it looks like they're saying it looks good and it's better than it looks so i don't know if i could handle the keyboard only controls but other than that like I wonder if you're, uh, like, with the Steam Deck, bond them to the gamepad. I don't know. Maybe. But, like, I I mean, there's a demo, so, you know, check it out. And then also, it's only 10 bucks. I mean, right now it's on sale because it's just released, and so it's got a 15% off. But, you know, at full price, it's 10 bucks. Like, 
I'm really interested in this. I'm gonna download the demo. And if I like it, I'll I'll buy it. Islands of the Caliph demo. Download. That's pretty small. 158 megabytes. Although I don't know if I was expecting it to be smaller or bigger. You know, like <laughs> it looks this way, but I'm you know I'm so used to modern games being ginormous that even when they look well, like looking at you, uh, Starfield. Yeah, looking at you, Starfield. Even when you don't look all that great, you're still massive. But then on the other hand, I'm like, well, these games would have been in the the high kilobyte, low megabyte range, and I don't know. Not a big deal. I've got hundreds of gigabytes free on my system, so. But yeah, this looks neat. Like, I, I download the demo. I'm gonna check it out later. Talk about it on next week's episode. <coughs> or the next time we record. Yeah, which is kind of funny. We'll both be talking most likely about uh, modern games that look ancient. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's that is my cue. That's the the entirety of my cue. Woo. Um, so yeah. Uh, hey, Rage, why don't you, uh, hit him with them socials? Oh, I've been Caffeine Rage. Uh, you can find me on, uh, the platform formerly known as Twitter, now known as, uh, uh Excretions. <coughs> yeah, at least until they enforce, uh, some sort of, uh, subscription model, then I'm bouncing. Yeah, I'm gaming with CR over there. Or if you just to be my friend on Steam, you can find me Caffeine Rage. And you, Ben? I have been Jared. You can find me over on Twitter at JMA4707. I am still awaiting a Blue Sky invite to to move over to Blue Sky. And um, otherwise, you know, come talk to me on uh, Discord or Steam or whatever. That's about it. I don't really have many other presences anywhere these days. Yeah, I've been looking at threads, but... Uh... Threads is half baked, but yeah, you know, it's still more functional than Twitter is these days. Yeah, which is sad. I guess there's a chance you could run into me at a psych conference. I mean, if if somebody out there happens to be a secret, uh, uh, now question social worker. Uh, do you uh, at a psych conference do you tell each other's outrageous things and then you go psych? <laughs> So yeah, you've um, never thought about that, have you? I've never thought about that joke. No, well done. You're welcome. So, yeah. So once again, as uh, well, I actually need to get up the proper show notes. So once again, you could uh, contact us via your podcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game-related topics, or your Mount Rushmores. That'll be an interesting one if anybody wants to reach out for that, or just general topic ideas because yeah, we're Possibly going to be more, doing more general topic stuff, right? Indeed. Or you can tweet them to us over at VGL Podcast. We still check it. There, there hasn't been anything over there for a while, but it's still alive. We think. We think that we think the blue burb's still alive. We'll, we'll have to prod it, uh, see how it uh, moves. Uh, or if you just wish to kind of get a uh, hold of us uh, more directly. Uh, you can go over to vglpodbean.com. Uh, vglpodcast.podbean.com. Uh, uh, it's late I'm, uh, and I'm tired. Uh, which you can find a link to the Discord up top to get a hold of us directly. Or 
just uh, send us an email on if you wish to spread the love. You can find us on your podcatcher of choice. Our lovely, lovely patrons have made this madness possible. You can find out more about that over at patreon.com slash Podcast. Our intro and outro music and our discovery key music is are both by Kevin McLeod. You can find his work over at incomputech.com. And as always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice, bye-bye now. See ya.